There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk The Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter and Lord Willie Hockey with Workflow Solutions. Thomas, not much to talk about this week, eh? Not a lot happened. They say, Willie, a week is a long time in politics. <laughs> so I leave you alone for one week and see what happens with the Go Radio Business Show's influence. So seriously, Willie, what do you think? Well, it's probably going to dominate the the um, 20 minutes that we have in the first segment. Obviously, the big, big news that shocked everyone was the First Minister's resignation. And it'll be interesting to see what unfolds over the next couple of weeks, you know, as to probably the, the real reasons why. That, you know, that, I mean, three weeks ago, she told everyone she'd get plenty left in the tank. So I don't know what happened to the tank. So you think there's something else? Well, I think something's probably... I think, to be honest with you, when she didn't get choosing who became the leader down in Westminster, I think that maybe Nicola thought, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of losing control a wee bit here and uh, this isn't the way I wanted it to be. And then follow that on by the grief of the last few weeks with some of the bills, which we'll talk about a wee bit later. But uh, for us, you know, what we want to discuss is what does it mean for business? So, I mean, I, I've been I've been thinking about this. I think, first of all, it came as a shock to everybody, even those in the know didn't seem to be in the know. So I think it was a tightly held um, secret. Um, so I'm not quite sure how long our First Minister was thinking about it, but um, there was no indication of, 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 of this. But um, when, when people were asking me last week about what did I think? So I, I thought I thought Nicola Sturgeon was probably the most capable politician of her generation. She was a politician who won elections and her popularity rating, well, even eight years in the job, was the envy of her peers. I don't think there's any other politician who was in the job for this length of time who enjoyed the popularity rating. But, and it's quite a big but, her record on what matters to the people of Scotland and pretty much every voter in Scotland, I'm afraid that's a different tale. On the NHS, which is a totally devolved part of government, so nobody can blame Westminster for this, after eight years, it's worse than when she came to power. On education, again, totally devolved from Westminster. And um, our First Minister actually said this was her defining mission. So after eight years of being the leader, education's in a worse state than where she found it. And on the economy, which matters to us, Willie, you know, businesses really felt that we didn't have a voice that business was not that important to the First Minister. And I think that is going to be a defining thing for me 
because, you know, we've said it in this show so many times, unless you have a vibrant economy and businesses employing people and paying the tax, because it's the, it's the tax that's raised that pays for the education, the NHS, the police forces, and pays for the civil society that I think we can all agree on in Scotland that we want. So I'm afraid on delivery, I would mark our First Minister's report card as a failure. Well, if I make a pledge of all the things I have to deliver as a First Minister, as Nicola Sturgeon said, that our number one priority was the attainment gap. Yeah. And that has failed miserably. Yeah. So if you, you know, judge me by what I do, then I'm sorry, it's not about your popularity, it's not about winning elections, it's about what you delivered. And unfortunately, that was an anchor round our neck. Uh, and I think that this is where people should get judged, not just the First Minister at the moment, every First Minister thereafter. You know, did you deliver in what you said you were going to deliver? And I think that for me... Where things were beginning to unravel, Tom, and where we were beginning to look like a joke state, look at the last four bills that have been through Holyrood, okay? And let's stick with the three first that, that affect business, okay? So we've mentioned it before, but because they've happened one after another, we need to mention them again. So the rent freeze. Yep. So we mentioned it, that they put a bit of time into looking at the plus side and don't look at any, to give any time at all to look at the negative. And that bill has unraveled, right, completely in the last eight weeks. And, and Willie, this is the point. Um, politicians come out, and remember this was Patrick Harvey, yeah. a leader of a party who doesn't believe in economic growth. Mm -hmm. So how does he think we're going to pay for our NHS our police, our education, our civil society? That'd be a good question for him. Let's get him on and ask him. Uh, well, I, I doubt he would come and face you, Willie, to be perfectly honest with you. But, you know, it's a cheap headline, it's not thought through, and it's not proper consultation. So that, to me, is lazy politics. It's worse than that because they've no idea of the effects of a bad policy. I read in the paper this week that one of the largest home providers, a home REIT, yep. right, who spend billions in, um, in building houses, mostly for rent, have said this week that due to new legislation uh, that they're only taking up 26% of their rent take is all that's been paid. Wow. Right. And they're now looking seriously if they want to build another house. These are the ramifications of getting something wrong. I've got no doubt, absolutely no doubt, if the rent freeze bill was allowed to stay, I'll guarantee you that the problem that we have with housing would be exasperated. Because it chokes right. supply, really. Absolutely. People won't invest. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So... We move on to the next bill, right, which was the the bottle return scheme. Right. No consultation with business. No, I don't know who they were talking to that they said that they had you know, they'd had conversations with people. Everyone in the industry said that this was an absolute nightmare. And no one I mean, for John Swinney to come out this week and say, no, no, it will work. Okay then, let's give us the detail behind it because everyone who's involved in this says there's absolutely no chance that this can work. So, well, I was I was taken by a cross-party letter, um, and Fergus Ewan of the SNP signed this. So it was all political parties 
wrote to Lorna Slater, again, another Green Party member who doesn't believe in um, economic growth, um, to say, we need to pause this. This is ill thought through. Why don't we do a trial? Why don't we do further consultations? And why don't we put it in line with the rest of the UK where they're coming up with a bill for 2025? Wales have actually did that. They paused. They were going down their own route. They thought about it. They paused and they said, no, we will input and we'll get a good bill because, you know, there are some good things about it. It's just in the execution. It's lazy once again. And Scotland would be out of step and it would cause economic harm. Staying on the on the bills for a second, and then we have the whole discussion about, we've mentioned the whiskey advert bans. Yep. Who in their right mind would think that that is a good idea? I mean, you'd need, we don't know, like, we'd like to bring in, but here's an invite. See for the people who thought that the last three bills that we have just been talking about is a good idea. Here is an open invitation to come on the show and defend them, right? Because they're indefensible. Let's hear their point of view, Willie. I mean, we're we're always open to the other side of the argument. And, you know, I read in the Herald last week as well that the ferries fiasco. So for two ferries, Willie, they've now cost the Scottish taxpayer more than the Scottish Parliament building. <laughs> Can you believe that? Well, I remember saying this at the time. I was never in favour of devolution. And I remember saying that when your first project, right, as a devolved government is to build your parliament, right, and the time to build and the cost to build is six times your original estimate. Remember, it started off at 60 million. Yep. Ended up at 360 million. And I thought, there is an indicator about how bad things are going to be going forward. And unfortunately, that's proven to be right. Well, it's now been trumped by two ferries, which still can't sail. And they've cost us more. Every taxpayer in Scotland has had to pay for these that are not working. But... Um, I actually believe in, in devolution because um, I, I think there's been positive um, benefits to it. But from a business point of view, Willie, who would you like to see as the next leader? Good question. <laughs> obviously, there was a pause there, Willie. Well, obviously, I would like to see Anna Sarwar as the next leader. <laughs> right. But uh, um, if you're asking me who I would like to see as part of the SNP setup. Um, I'd make another point about the SNP in business. Are you dodging the question? No, no, here, I'll come back to that. No, I've already said Anna Sarba, but I'll come <laughs> back. I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that. Um, I was at a conference about five years ago, right? And I heard an SNP minister, right, Mister oh, Mr. Brown, <laughs> cabinet minister, Mister Brown, right, stood up and told an audience that the A nine was the financial spine of Scotland. Okay. Which I thought astounded. I was astounded by it. But let's just say that he was right. Uh-huh. One of their main policies, and they've just scrapped it this week. Yeah. Right? They've scrapped, right, the upgrade of that road. So wh where does it leave you? And my, my big, big worry, and answering your question at the same time, I just hope and pray whoever takes over Right, and, I, and I'll tell you who I think, right? I hope and pray that 
they will get involved with business because it's quite apparent that under the First Minister's leadership and Nicola's leadership, it has not been the case, right? Business has not had a voice. It can't be if so many people are upset. So what I'd say is, of all the people I've met in the SNP, the one person who I have met who was credible when it came to understanding the sums, when it came to understanding the point you make every week, it's the private sector that pays all the public sector bills. I think Kate Forbes is the most, right, um, <laughs> talented, if I want to use that phrase, um, of anybody else I've met that would have that. And I think that we've mentioned it in the weeks gone past, right? So the 10-year economic growth plan was announced the same week that the Green says, we don't want to grow. Yep. Right? So I think, and I've, you know, I think that the alliance with the Greens will hold the SNP back. And I just wonder if that was part of Nicola's, you know, reason, rationale behind, you know, resigning as well, where, you know, we're being <laughs> held to fortune here. So I, I think that that being that hostage, I think also probably played on her mind as well, that she didn't, you know, have the majority where she could do what she wanted herself. She was probably bringing through bills that maybe her heart was not in it either, but she was having to go with it because she was in an alliance. So I hope, if it's Kate Forbes, that they really get behind their, that was called the nest, so that 10-year plan for growth. And I have to say to you, I'm going to be honest, I've been disappointed with some of the people that they've appointed to help deliver it, and I'd like to think that they would have a look at that again. You know, we've ended up with one person in an interim position, now replaced by someone else, to be fair, who I've never heard of. That's not to say that the person is not able, but I, I think that we definitely need a push on business. I mean, you will be talking about things like this every single week till the cows come home. So I think we need a, a reset. Um, I don't know who it's going to be, Willie. I'm, I'm not close enough to it, and I don't really know the characters. And um, But... I was away last week with some friends who are also serious business investors and we got round to the question of Scotland and um, I said, well, you guys are not invested in Scotland. Would you think about Scotland? And it was a resounding no. And I said, well, why, why not? It's a wonderful country. And they said, well, um, the first thing is um, independence hangs over Scotland and it gives an unknown which increases our risk and we don't need that risk we can put our money elsewhere without that risk and then quite frankly Tom some of the stuff going on up there has made Scotland a laughing stock now I was really quite upset by that and just to be clear I'm I'm fully invested in Scotland because I love this country um but these were guys, hard-headed guys who can take their money anywhere, but they were not coming anywhere near Scotland. I think we need to change that, Willie. So whoever comes in as our new First Minister, I'm saying today that you and I will make it easy for him or her to get in front of business and listen to a cross-section of Scotland because we all believe in Scotland. We all want Scotland to prosper. We might have different politics, but we love this country and we want to see it prosper. I think any politicians listening to the show this morning 
they have to believe that we are not being political. Right? We're offering we're offering to help a government at the moment that's run by the SNP. Right? So people certainly can't say I'm an SNP supporter. But like you, I love Scotland and I want to see it thrive no matter who's running it. Right? And and I think really that my my my, my plea to whoever takes over is is the first thing to do is to get close to business. And that isn't that you have to take on board everything that business of tells you not. and deliver it, but I think there may be a few nuggets in there. Like, you know, if if housing is a number one priority for the country, why would you not get 10 people around a table, right? And no 10 people that support you. You know, no, no 10 SMP or 10 11. Get a cross-section, Right from 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 all walks, right that can help you that have a passion for Scotland and for Scotland to do better. That would be my number one plea to whoever takes over. I mean, it's a it's an interesting thing in business, Willie. The sign of a good leader to me is someone who surrounds himself with a diversity of thought. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I don't employ yes people because then you only go down one route. And I think the first minister did. Um, she shied away from business because she wasn't comfortable with it. But a really good leader would have said, okay, let me let me listen and I'll make up my own mind. Of, of, of course, um, business isn't going to get all its own way, but at least they can put forward a point of view to say, okay, if you ban alcohol advertising, our biggest export in this country is going to be harmed. Do you understand that? So what is it you're trying to achieve by this and can it be achieved by different means? The bit I don't get is if your number one thing is that you're looking for independence for the country, the first group of people you want to get close to is business, (laughs) right? And I just never got that and that's maybe now what we support is allegedly has been reported this week is waning, right? So... So the question now is, what do we think of the effect now of the resignation of the First Minister on the independence question? So I think, Willie, thanks for giving me that one. Yes, I've, I've got the hospital pass here. So I think in this one, You Willie, were going to give to me. Yes, I know. And um, thanks for the switcheroo there. <laughs> and um, so I think, Willie, um, that I've always been amazed just as, as a observer of politics, not involved in politics, but 15 years in government um, has been the longest honeymoon of any political party in history. And um, I believe what's going to happen now is that infighting will start. Now, your party's had plenty of infighting. The Tories um, can stab each other in the front and the back. The SNP, because of strong leadership, didn't do that. I think the infighting is beginning and I think that will mean they're too busy stabbing each other to worry about independence. Well, I would say that the way things were going and literally passing the hospital pass back to me, (laughs) uh, I think the way things have been going over the last few weeks and you see the polls... Right, there is no doubt the things we've been talking about, the bills, especially the GRA bill, all of the, everything that's happened in the last few weeks, then they've got it wrong. And, and to be fair, senior figures within the SNP, Alex Salmond, other people, commentators, John Curtis, even though the, the, the uh, well-respected pollster is now saying that this is having a major effect. So 
maybe the first minister thought this is the right thing to do for that reason because whatever is now whatever we're doing is a distraction from from our number one aim. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about over the next few weeks. Can, can I just finish with a question, Willie? Is why would MD want to take this job? <laughs> because Nicola's Sturgeon's um, resignation speech was actually very good, I, th- I felt, and I thought she was being very honest about the pressures of the job. Why Why do you think people enter politics, Willie? Good question, good question. Unfortunately, a lot of people now who enter politics just think about what's in this for me, right. and it's all about populist politics. What we really need is, is a group of people that have got the passion and the determination and the desire that me and you've got to make this place a better place for everyone. So hopefully, whoever ends up as leader, and I, and I would say that about any party, is that that person is in politics to make a difference. Yep. Unfortunately, Tam, there's no that many either up here or down the road, right? It's all about me, me, me. Well, the Go Radio Business Show and you and I want Scotland to thrive. So whoever comes in, come and speak to us. Brilliant. Coming next, Hunter and Hockey chat to David MacDonald, CEO and owner of Cullen Eco-Friendly Packaging. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, part of the Scottish Procurement Framework for Managed Print Solutions, available to all public sector bodies and charities. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week's special guest is David MacDonald, CEO and owner of Cullen Eco-Friendly Packaging. David was the EY Entrepreneur of the Year 2022 UK Transformational Leader. A big, big welcome to our guest this morning, David MacDonald, who's the CEO of Cullen Packaging. We've been trying to get you on for a few months, <laughs> David, so finally yeah. we've got you here. So, welcome, welcome. Th- thanks very much, David, thanks for having me. It's wonderful to have you on the show this morning. I, I don't know you, I think Willie does, but I've been reading your quick bio here, so I can't wait for the listeners to hear your story. So, appreciate that. how did it all start? Uh, yeah, so born and raised in, in Glasgow. Uh, Whereabouts? Uh, west End of Glasgow, so right. just outside Maryhill. Right. And went to school in the local area. And it's safe to say uh, the school I went to wasn't the best school in the world. Right, okay. Uh, probably the one thing I remember from my time in school was uh, don't don't waste my time, close your math book, go and become a trade or join the army. <laughs> so that kind of set the <laughs> feeling. Careers officer, yeah. <laughs> that set the start of uh, education for me. But um, before I left, one of the things that did really help, um, which I'm not sure if it still happens today, was a, a business chap came in. To, okay. to we could replace a class and go and do a business course. Right. So over a month, very short term. But uh, I thought, right, I can either sit here and play the keyboards and that's going to be my route in life, which obviously wasn't, and I can step in and try and learn something about business and how to make money. Because I had no idea, to be fair, at that point. There was nothing in school that I knew of, for an example, to do it in my life. Okay. 
So anyway, done that course, they showed the basics of, of business, which was great, and was a wee bit of a light bulb moment. Um, and then soon after that, I was asked to leave school early and really had nothing. Didn't you were really... asked to leave? Yeah. <laughs> same, same as me. <laughs> I wanted to briefly cover that. Um, <laughs> okay, but, uh, but, maybe moving on. <laughs> <laughs> but, but just painting the picture that it wasn't, I didn't really know what I was going to do and, and, and I had no opportunities and... Fortunately enough, somebody offered me a job to work as a labourer on a building site, uh, which I jumped at because I had no other no other choice. Right. So I remember it was li like it was yesterday, 5.30 in the morning, pitch black, rain off the transit window. Um, I'm sure we've all had experiences. Yep, yep. And, uh, and yeah, got there, 10 sugars in the tea for the guys just to get them <laughs> motivated in the morning, you know, cleaning up the sites that I could have been there for two years and it would never have been cleaned. And I remember the first task I got was cleaning out the cement mixer that hadn't been cleaned in <laughs> oh a week. God. And anybody that knows that, that is a frustrating job. But the reason why I'm, I'm kind of getting that across is at that moment, I had nothing else. And I said to myself, I can either get stuck in and give it my best. I'm here anyway. Give it my best shot or not um, and, and give up and try and think I'm better than that. Now, I've, um, I've, I've read on here that one of the first jobs you went to was a huge house in the West End. Yeah. So just just, just quickly <laughs> well, tell the listeners how, how that ended up. So that um, that cement mixer that uh, I struggled with, I'm not going to lie, uh, I got into everything, painting, pointing, I knew nothing about these things, but working with the trades and also understanding if they worked for themselves, how they paid their bills, what mattered, and that was really good for me to learn. So throughout that time... I felt I was good with people, I was good with management, clocking in, in and out times was fun, was fair with people, and I felt that that's where I could maybe go on and, ha and have a career. But yeah, just as you're, you're touching on there, I'm happy to say that's the house I live in today. So you live in the house? <laughs> yeah, so the, that's a great story, Willie. The, the, the job that I had when I was 16, um, painting the walls and pointing outside building, <laughs> that's the house I, I now live well in. Done. So yeah, it's quite a quite a quite a nice moment if I'm looking at the pointing. But I will say, as I'm doing the house up and people see the pointing, they say, "That's pretty bad pointing. You should get that done." I, <laughs> I take you real offence to that. Get the people who done it originally. Yeah, it was me, <laughs> me that done it. So, I said, <laughs> so, so, so yeah, good wee story. For the for the listeners, has your family been in business? Where did the entrepreneurial spark come from? So my dad had always been uh, in, in business, an entrepreneur, and, uh, you know, I was always intrigued by what he'd done. I never really understood what business was, and I think that's why taking that class at the end of school, when I'd really done nothing, if I'm being honest, really was a light bulb moment and triggered me to be interested in that. And just the simplicity of, you know, providing a service, doing the service well, getting paid for that service, paying your taxes, and that's what you're left with. There was none of that in school. Um, and obviously I'd seen my dad work extremely hard over the years, but I, it was then getting pieced together. And when I was speaking to other trades and other people in management, I could then understand what, what matters in the business. Uh -huh. uh, so, yeah, so I, I kept working on that site. And then the owners of that, they gave me the opportunity. I had opportunities to jump into other wee jobs and use common sense and hard work and really just get stuck in, if I'm being honest with you. And they'd done well from those businesses, reward me, and then I was moving moving to London. All right, uh, okay. that, that was my, I bought my ticket. I was going to go down and try and get a fresh start, do something new. Uh -huh. and, uh, and at that point, my dad had given me a call um, and said, listen, I'm uh, going to go into Cullens and buy it back and save the jobs that had been in administration. So, so just, just for the listeners, what is Cullen? 
Sorry, so Cullen Packaging is right. the business I own today. Right. Um, I'm the sole shareholder. Okay. And uh, that's the business that we moved back into in 2009 with okay. my dad at that point. Right. Um, do you want me to explain a bit about yeah, the business? Yeah, or? Aye, cause yeah. I think I think the listeners like to get the feel for yeah. what you're doing, yeah, you know? Yeah, So uh, Cullen Packaging is the only um, corrugated box, so cardboard box business and moulded pulp business under one roof in Europe. Wow. So where the business started when we got back in was corrugated boxes. So quite a simple process, but effective. You buy in board, you print it, you die cut it, you glue it, and it goes out to your customer. So when we came back in, what happened was the waste from the corrugated boxes, there was a lot of waste left there that we had just paid to bring in the boards. So the waste was quite quick and a lot of it. So when we came back in 2009, we said, right, to really grow this, we really want to use that waste and not just throw it away. Uh-huh. So we, just, we got engineers on board and designers on board and started to press the waste. Um, and that turned into pulp. And what pulp is, is adult paper mache. Okay. So we've got the corrugate side of the business. Uh-huh. The waste that comes off from the corrugated, we turn into pulp. And that's like adult paper mache, right? It's the best way to think about it. Okay. So we, from the designers, built the machines, built the tools, patented the process, and are now manufacturing hundreds, billions of pieces of, of pulp. And that's been the growth in the business. So where's your factory, David? It's in Glasgow. So 16 acres in uh, Glasgow beside Dawson Park, yeah. up beside the Clenny. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, from that you, you'll use our products every day, the pulp okay. products. So if you get a two-cup carrier in any fast food chain, that's ours. If you use um, avocados, plums, nectarines, mushrooms in any supermarket in the UK, that's us. All right. Um, medical, we're our biggest market. We're 98% of the NHS hospitals. 98%? Uh, 98% oh, use goodness. the product. So wash bowls, kidney dishes... And they're all 100% plastic-free and all made from waste, all made in Glasgow. So were you ahead of the eco? Were you thinking ahead in, in that, day? Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely not going to say we we masterminded the whole thing. Right, OK. Um, I think I'd be, you know, slightly foolish to say that. But um, but I think what we've done really well is maximised opportunity. And when Lux came our way, we've definitely jumped on it and tried to make the most of it. And definitely investing in engineers and machines um, and tools, having that in-house was fundamental for us to grow. Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're, we're now replacing plastic. So all the products we make are 100% plastic-free right. and sustainable. Bespoke also is a massive part of what we do. So you can come to us with a plastic product, plastic packaging product. You give it to us, we design it in-house make the tools, put it on the machines we build and can mass manufacture you that. So you're actually making the machines as well? We build the machines. So hold, you've got the IP of that? all the IP of the that's, machines. That's clever, will it? That's so, clever. so let me ask you that then. Yeah. When you say you've got the IP for the machines, yeah. it sounds as if you're very forward thinking, you know, that you're, you're using technology but you've got sustainability about everything you do. Yeah. Does it go against you if you start selling the machinery and other people can do what you do? Yeah, we've, we've never done that. No. We won't sell the right. machines. So that's um, it. So you keep that IP closed. So we keep that. So, you know, now we have, um, you know, 320 staff. We've done over a billion products in the last two years into wow. 34 countries worldwide. <laughs> and in my honest, humble um, opinion, 
is uh, we're the only ones that can do it in Europe to that level and that scale. Wow. And and you guys will know better than me that if you're going into these big organisations, these big customers, you know, and the supermarkets, you have to be mass volume, oh, right. competitive price point, and sustainable now. And we tick all those boxes. So th this week I've got an appointment. I'm meeting with the top procurement guys for the NHS. Okay. I'm going to talk to them about other oh, two percent you've not got. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't add anything else we can replace. <laughs> right. so, yeah. so, so how do you keep refreshing the ideas, David? Because it sounds, you know, you're making it sound so simple. It can't have been simple. So how do you keep these ideas? You must have an amazing team run about you. team, yeah. And what's your role in all of that? Are you the conductor? <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, still happy... Uh, Bought the shares from my dad in 2019, so right. I'm the sole shareholder and CEO. Certainly couldn't couldn't do anything that I've done without him. Massive, massive part on on when to stay calm and when not to overreact. And then we've got two directors, so one more on the finance and um, management side, Alan Maitland, the yes. chairman of Hamilton as well. Yeah. Phenomenal guy, great support to me. And then our production director, Ryan, who is fundamental to everything we do with planning and building machines and making sure everything gets made. So I've got a great, great but small team around me. Right, OK. So there's big players in this market and obviously yep. you're kind of looking to be ahead of the game. Yep. I take it you must get offers every month, every year. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about that, David? <laughs> <laughs> don't you mention it, I, was sort of, I don't know if you're going to slide me a bit of paper with a number on it. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, there's a there's a lot of interest, and I think the the awareness of sustainability is probably the only thing that broke the headlines throughout COVID. So, and we're on, it's only getting started. You know, if, getting started. if anyone thinks that sustainability focus and eco friendly packaging or products are going to go anywhere, then I can assure you it's not. Um, and we're at the forefront of that. It's so, a question I ask yeah. all our, our guests. Why why Scotland? You know, there's 320 jobs here, which is brilliant. You oh. could you could have went anywhere. You had a ticket to London once. Yep. Why why Scotland? Why not? <laughs> um, no, we've we've obviously you know started born and bred in Scotland. Um, we've just got masses amount of opportunity right now, as you touched on with the. With the, with, with the products, how have we got into the space we're in today? Well, we've got there by a, a great workforce getting our head down and innovating, building machines and giving opportunity to produce these products that are now mass in demand. So, you know, we want to give that opportunity back to the people and grow the local area. We have um, just put in planning permission for to build the North Factory. Right. And that will take us to over a billion products in one financial year in 34 countries. Wow. wow. And it has a design and innovation hub for new raw materials, and that will create another 120 jobs. Wow. And we're talking, you know, Dawson Park, which is right beside Mary Hill. Fantastic. Um, so it's a great opportunity for us to hopefully help the local area and support them as they've supported us. Fantastic. And the, the, the skill set that you need, you know, the, the workers you need, David, are they readily available? Or is there, you know, do you need technicians, do you need engineers, or is it mostly like semi-skilled or labourers? Yeah, labour, massive yeah. part of it, and that's what we're struggling to get in. Is Strug that a struggle, David? All of it's a struggle. Recruitment, yeah. you know, obviously with Brexit and a lot of labour moving out of the UK... You know, it's a, it's a big challenge for us. Yeah. I'd say it's probably our biggest challenge. Yeah. So as we've got so much opportunity to grow, you know, I, I could do three times the sales we're doing today 
if really? we could just make it. Yeah. And a big part of making it isn't building yeah. the machines, it's getting the staff so to So you would to say it. to the new First Minister, whoever he or she is, that positive immigration would be a good thing for Scotland? I think what I would say is, as humble as I could, you know, we're making over a billion products in 34 countries, we're employing everybody, everything in Glasgow, building the machines in Glasgow, and we're just getting started, so why are you not giving us some support or at least helping us? Right. Please come to the table and have a chat. Yeah, I think we have mentioned it in previous weeks. There is absolutely no doubt now for all the people who were huge Brexiteers, and I'm in the exact same boat as David now, did we think we'd be sitting two years later where everyone is saying we can't get employees? Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. You never, never in your wildest dream would you think you'd be sitting saying that in the yeah. UK, right? There's Definitely. all sorts of, you know, you know, employment is the best number ever. Mm -hmm. So it's going to get tougher and tougher for people like me and David. What David just said is, my people HR have been telling me this week, you know, we're going to announce a landing of a new large contract next week. Right. We need to go for a start and get 160 people. That's just the starting point. Yeah. And they know that this is going to be tough. tough. So we have to tell a client for the first time, we don't know if we can start on the 7th of July. You know, we don't know if we can, you know, and 100% and this is all done to Brexit. So I, I've got a lot of pals who are Brexiteers and it's the one thing we fall out about because I said, well, what a mess you've got us into. Then we one benefit of Brexit and, yeah. you know, they, they canny. No, they canny. But anyway, back to the positive. This is a brilliant <laughs> yeah. story, Willie, and it's a story well told here in the Go Radio Business Show this morning. You, you are... You know, obviously, you're across 34 countries, and you're just saying that, you know, hopefully the, the new um, First Minister maybe come and help, or whatever the government can help. Do, are you getting any help from Scottish Enterprise in relation to export? No, we've not really had anything over the years. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing as we have more awareness on the, the business and the name, um, maybe we'll get some more support. But I'll yeah. be honest with you, my train of thought is we've got here you know, getting our sleeves rolled up and getting stuck in, mm -hmm. uh, as we always have done, with without any real help. So I'm going to continue to do that until someone um, yeah. maybe knocks my just, door, which just is a shame you need to be yeah. that way, yeah. but I I'm not going to slow down for anyone because we've got yeah. such a phenomenal but, opportunity but to create more jobs. you would be an inspiration to others coming up and talking about... I mean, how did you get into the 34 countries? Um, I can... <laughs> before <laughs> before I got back in, we, we didn't export one product. Right. So I've been in a lot of countries Have flying you? about, trying to blag as much as I can, government, um, healthcare, medical divisions to sell medical products or right. produce into Central Europe. So you've been spearheading that, really? Yeah. I would say that's probably the, the biggest yeah. transformation I've made when joining the business in regards to sales. Right. Um, so yeah, so been I, a big growth I, I, for I'm us. I'm obviously in a few countries as well, so I would ask you, where's, where's your biggest market outside of the UK? Central Europe, yeah. um, Italy, good market for us, France. France is probably the most forward-thinking, um, eco-friendly, sustainable yeah. uh, country, certainly in the last five years. Canada, big market for us. But yeah. just to put it into perspective, we sell over a million products in Chile. I've never been to Chile in my life. Right. Yeah, have any of my team. <laughs> we do it in Singapore, Australia, South Africa. But the way I like to look at it is... You know, this is all being made in Glasgow. Right. These are not big, expensive TVs. These are products that are pennies that right. do not necessarily travel well. Right. So we must be very rare and unique at what we do. Yes. So it gives me so much passion and momentum to keep right. building it and growing it. So I need to ask you, right, after that last statement, <laughs> so 
You've never been to Chile. You don't know about Chile. So no. do you have agents that sell your product on your behalf? I have four sales reps for over a billion products in 34 countries worldwide. Yeah. That's, that's, we are not a massive selling company, I'll be the first to say that. We are core Glaswegian manufacturers yeah. that build these massive machines that make products you'll use every day, um, billions of pieces all over the world, and it's 100% plastic-free. So what we try and do is use that to sell itself. Right. So um, one of our latest innovations is the fibre bottle, which fiber to, ma bottle. to make right. it simple is a paper bottle, okay? So we've patented the machine and the process. So we can build these machines within six months. They can mass manufacture roughly 270 million bottles at competitive price point with plastic. So this is plastic-free? 100% plastic-free. Right. And they can be made in any shape, any size, and any colour all made in Glasgow, and we have wow. the technology to do that. So to, to just give you an example of why this is so important, and I'm not a tree hugger, by the way, so don't, <laughs> don't, don't think I'm going to be sitting in front of your car when you try and leave. Um, but uh, but when, when I think nowadays recycling is the norm. So if you're in your house, your kids, your family, you're trying to recycle your products and do the right thing, which is great. But just so you know, 9% of plastics that you recycle actually get recycled. 9%? 9%, which means 91% of the plastic that we throw away, me included, goes into landfill, the oceans, or sold to third world countries and burned. And I've seen that with my own really? eyes. Is yeah. that where it goes? Yeah, yeah pretending to be taken away somewhere, then yeah. dumped somewhere. Dumped and so, so let me ask you then, sort of a, so this is your big point. Yeah. So we're obviously talking to the listeners, but... So who would be a good customer for you at the moment for this product, you know what? So people selling milk, people selling whatever. Yeah, so the reason why the bottle is a game changer in my opinion, and, and I'll get on to the customers in a minute, which proves that, is that when a plastic bottle is disposed of and sits in landfill, sits in the ocean, it will take 417 years to naturally biodegrade. That will outlive five generations of our family. Wow. That's the extent of it. So the bottles that I can make, mass manufactured, competitive price point, will naturally biodegrade in 18 months. Wow. Because it's just paper. So right now we have uh, stage three and four testing with some of the largest bland, uh, brands on the planet. I can't name them, no, no. Um, but you're talking about the big conglomerates. And we're just about to launch into one of the largest um, vitamin companies and they'll be in stores come June 17th. Wow. Brilliant. Well, Can't wait to see it on the shelves. Glasgow built, Glasgow leading the world. Good on you, David. Well Appreciate done. that. Thanks Thank very much. You. Thank you for coming on. Brilliant story. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, turning your paper-based processes into an organised digital archive. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitisation, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The board you can't afford. This is the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. Hi Lee, how you doing? Thanks for calling in. Would you like to tell the listeners a wee bit about what you do, the business, and then go on to your question? 
Sure, no, wor- no worries. Um, firstly, I'd just like to say I um, attended your, your live uh, recording at the Scottish Edge finals a uh, couple of months ago and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, Brilliant, thank you. Was, I uh, thought Wally was, was great. great com- <laughs> <laughs> no comment. No comment. Um, so... Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, a wee introduction into me. So I'm, my name's Lee. I'm uh, one of the co-founders of a business uh, called Zebra Growth. Uh, and we are a brand and, and marketing agency. Um, we're, we're based in Scotland, but we've got a global team and we help impact-driven organisations. So uh, businesses that have a social or environmental purpose at the core of their business model to grow profitably and to achieve their long-term impact goals and to try and manage the strike in the balance between that profit generation and that impact. Um, so we're, we're, for a wee bit of context, we're founding members of a members organisation called Zebras Unite that has about 30,000 uh, members uh, and that organisation champions things like alternative business models, uh, governance structures and collaboration uh, with a kind of, I guess, overarching goal to progress to a more heart-led and less extractive economy. So so creating businesses um, and networks and ecosystems that can create a, a less extractive future. Right. Um, wow. My question, I've got a two-part question. Um, I'll try and keep it short. So I, I, apologies if it goes on a little bit, but I'll, I'll keep it as short as I can. Um, so question, uh, part one of the question is, I'm keen to understand your, your thoughts on whether you think Scotland has its priorities right when it comes to the investment and support that it provides to startups. Um, and is this uh, support and advice and investment uh, conducive to solving the social and environmental challenges that we face as, as a, a, I guess, a species and as a planet. Um, second part of that question is, with the Scottish government's ambitions of creating a well-being economy, um, combined with obviously the climate and social injustices that are happening all over the world, um, how can we widen the scope of financial uh, packages and support? Uh, currently available to startups to go beyond just high growth in tech, which seems to be a bit of a, a, a kind of, uh, I guess, obsession with uh, some of the support packages that are available just now, uh, to make sure that we include impact-driven social entrepreneurs who feel a little bit excluded from the system. Okay, I'll go first, Tom. Okay. Um, first on the, I, I think that the the whole introduction of of ESG now, so I, I do believe that companies have moved on, and I think that you know, your first question about investing in the right businesses, I think now that most companies now understand the climate issues, the governance, the social responsibility. Um, you know, I, I think that we've mentioned before, I think the days of the the Alan Sugar apprenticeship approach to business, you know, is, is fading. Thankfully, it's fading every single day. So we think that, that, that certainly in Scotland, for what we see, and obviously you said you were at the Edge Fund, and I'd like to think that that demonstrated, you know, that it was just not, um, you know, commercially viable businesses. There were businesses there that were social enterprises, and I think we've been involved in a few. So I, I think that... Um, that, that we're, Scotland is not perfect, but I think we've came a long, long way. And on your second point, before we go across to Tom, is that on the Scottish Government's ambition of creating a well-being economy, unfortunately, this is all sound bites. Right? To change, and, and I'm just saying this against the but any party who was in charge at the moment, 
This is a 50-year plan to change how a financial model works in business. But if we start off with bite-sized chunks, like I'm saying that we're doing at the moment, through everybody's ESG policy, I think that we will get there, as long as we're on a road, but it's not going to change overnight. Thomas? Yeah, so, um, Lee, first of all, thanks for your for your question. I think it's a question of the moment. So in terms of helping startups, you know, I'm glad you mentioned Edge run by Evelyn and Stephen there. Um, brilliant um, competition. We just closed the last round there, so we'll be, there'll be more on that next week in the show. So I think that is the whole reason Edge came about was because there wasn't a market mechanism for the funding of early stage um, businesses in Scotland. And that's the riskiest part of the investment curve. But to your second part, I really think it's people like you who will bring up the innovation. I don't think it's government. Okay. I think government has got to set a framework, but the actual innovation will come from entrepreneurs like yourself who really understand the space and government should be support. Government shouldn't be coming up with innovation. Governments rarely come up with innovation. It's entrepreneurs that do. So a collaboration of government listening to entrepreneurs, asking what can we do to help you, but not dictating what happens. I think that's how we change and that's how Scotland leads the world in this part of the economy. Yep. When, when I read your email, when I read your email, Lee, and when it said Zebras Unite, I thought this was a call for unions. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, Lee, what what do you think? Because I think that's more important than what Willie and I think this time. Uh, sure. Uh, thank you so much for your answers. Um, that, that's brilliant. Um, I think um, because we are because we are a, a business that operates globally, we we we're involved in different ecosystems. So my uh, Co-founder is based in, in Lisbon, so we're quite heavily involved in that startup ecosystem. Um, and we attend quite a lot of conferences in, in Germany, so we're involved there. And I think from my perspective, the, the starting point is just widening the scope of like the tunnel vision on what growth and value really looks like. So some of the stuff that we're coming across in Germany and Portugal and other countries that are a bit more progressive um, in terms of business models and and alternative finance, ways to raise finance that isn't um, uh, just VC or isn't purely extractive. Um, I think the advice that's given through the ecosystem in Scotland is a little bit tunnel vision towards this is how you set up a limited company, this is how you raise investment, this is what value generation means. And I feel, I feel like if we could learn from other countries that we can create better business models and still be profit generating and strike it's not we don't have to sacrifice one for the other we can strike a balance um, yeah. and what I I mean, Lee, probably... you're, you're making my point is it's government is not going to come up with innovation here it's people like you yep. who travel yep. who care passionately about this and then you can educate government if they're listening but listen thanks for coming on the go radio business show this morning i think your question was spot on Please keep in touch with the show and let us know how you're getting on. Thanks for coming on, Lee. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Have a good one. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. Helping your business with document management, print and IT solutions. Go.